Hey, Tucker, police say this is a targeted attack and the social media footprint of the shooter is providing a wealth of information. And not just because 25-year-old Connor Sturgeon, who was fired by the bank, was live streaming the attack on Instagram, but also because he indicated the attack was coming, posting messages where he said they won't listen to words or protests. Let's see if they hear this. Welcome to Open Source News. Last night on Tucker Carlson, they had updates to the shooter, the bank shooter over in Louisville, Kentucky. Now, what I found interesting is that people were getting information about the shooter later in the day once it released who the shooter was. And then people started investigating and scrubbing through social media, talking to people, you know, doing investigative journalism. But right out the bat, right off, uh, right off the bat, right off uh, coming out of the blocks, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre referenced Monday's attack at, uh, to push for gun storage laws, an assault weapons ban, a high-capacity magazine ban, and the ability to file suit against gun manufacturers. Now, she said all of this early in the day at 2.15 p.m. when the police had still released no details on the type of gun or the means by which the gun was acquired. So there is an agenda here. Now, folks, not that I distrust the government. Oh, yeah, I do distrust the government. But interestingly enough, just a few blocks away at about the same time, there was another shooting. It seems to be unrelated. But those are one of the things that make you go, hmm... Two unrelated shooting incidents in the same vicinity. And right off the bat, we've got the White House pushing for gun control. By the way, I I do want to fact check something that often comes up. This idea that gun manufacturers have immunity from liability. Something that uh, Jean-Pierre described as common sense that they shouldn't have that. Well, the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Acts and Arms Act, PLCAA, protects gun manufacturers from frivolous lawsuits over guns that are legally made and legally sold. But it doesn't give them blanket immunity. The piece the PLCAA is a very narrow in scope. It shields gun manufacturers from lawsuits in situations where a gun criminally used was legally made and legally sold. It just makes sense. If you follow the law, you shouldn't be sued for following the law. Doesn't If a gun is sold legally, lawfully, following all the laws and is manufactured legally, why should a gun manufacturer be sued? Maybe we should look at the people who are doing the shootings which of course are always branded as right-wing extremists, gun nuts. Yet here we go again. Another lefty is the tyrant, the killer, the murderer. Sturgeon had no criminal history. His LinkedIn page uses the pronouns he, him. And the Daily Beast reports that in college, he supported Black Lives Matter and did not support former President Trump. All this fear-mongering, about right-wing Republicans and Trumpsters being dangerous and it seems like every violent crime 
every mass shooting is a crazy left wing nut. There are also reports he left messages for friends and family saying that he was going to shoot at the bank and even reportedly posted group chat messages where he said, I could burn the whole place down. I wonder if we're going to find out, like many of these mass shooters, that police and law enforcement and the FBI were aware of him and been tracking him, maybe had spoken with him, maybe had mental issues and he was seeing a very shady psychologist. I don't know. I am just a conspiracy theorist. But let's look at some uh, things that we uh, have found out uh, about the shooter, Sturgeon. Uh, It appears that he had warned, he had warned that he would do this. He had left a voicemail, uh, he left a note for his parents and a voicemail for a friend the day before that he would do this, that he would shoot up the bank specifically. So more than 12 hours before or more, he had documented exactly what he was going to do and he wasn't stopped. Now, I am not of the school of thought that we have uh, thought crimes, but when someone makes very specific threats like this to multiple people, it should have been taken seriously. He also wrote about his low self-esteem and emotional struggles. Interesting that his former high school basketball teammates noted that Sturgeon suffered so many concussions in high school that he wore a helmet to play high school basketball. All right, so so far we know that he hated uh, or didn't support Trump, that he was a Black Lives Matter supporter, and that he put on LinkedIn his pronouns, he, him. So supported Black Lives Matter, didn't support President Trump, Put he, him. Yeah, I think that puts him pretty hardcore in the progressive left category. But what's uh, possibly being blamed for this are these football concussions. They're, they're now being fingered as a possible cause for the shooter, uh, for, the, for the, his shootings. What we have here is that he may have suffered uh, from... CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, encephalopathy, a degenerative brain disease caused by repeated blows to the head. And there have been many cases of athletes who exhibit aggressive behavior after repeated concussions. Those diagnosed with CTE usually have impaired thinking and memory and are prone to aggression mood swings, depression, and paranoia. Disgraced New England Patriots tight end Aaron Hernandez, who was convicted of murder in 2015, was found to have had chronic CTE after his 2017 prison suicide. So we have lots of leftist media jumping on the speculative uh, analysis diagnosis that it was Sturgeon's CTE that caused him to do this. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it was a combination of factors, but I'm going to lean with the fact that BLM, he, him, her leftists generally don't have the same moral compass as conservative 
Christian, Judeo-Christian, God-fearing people do. I'm going to go out on that limb. Police say Sturgeon killed four, injured nine others, including two police officers. One officer was only grazed. The other remains in critical condition. And that officer who is in critical condition, we now know, is 26-year-old Louisville Metro Police Officer Nicholas Wilt, who graduated from the police academy on March 31st. So, um, not very, uh, not very long, obviously. Uh, let's pray for him, folks. Uh, looks like he was very early. Uh, he was, he was there. He charged toward, uh, the gunshots. There has been, uh, by the way, only, only three minutes after the suicidal bank employee opened fire, three minutes later, Louisville Metro police arrived on the scene three minutes later. Absolutely phenomenal response time. There is an emotional conversation that we can heard in, in a police scanner. It has been uh, it has been released, in which you can hear a, a police officer begging for an ambulance for Officer Wilt, as he reveals that Officer Wilt has been shot in the head. And then you can also hear in the conversation that Officer Wilt uh, is lying was lying on the steps outside of the bank. Because he was the first person to go in there and he got shot by the shooter. And the police are trying to figure out where the shots were coming from. And obviously they figured that out, got in and neutralized him. So last reporting is that Officer Wilt is in stable but critical condition. He was shot in the head and he had emergency brain surgery. So we know nothing about his cognitive issues or what have you at this point. I'll follow up on this story. I think it's absolutely, um, I think this, I think this is an interesting and important story. Okay, folks, uh, following up on stories, Joe Biden's uh, Department of Justice officially filed an appeal yesterday following on the ruling that I reported on previously coming out of Texas that halted the uh, FDA's 2000 approval of uh, mifepristone, mifepristone, that's the first drug of a two-drug regimen for medical abortion. The DOJ filed its appeal in the United States Court of Appeal for the Fifth Circuit, which, uh, by the way, is considered the most, if not one of the most conservative appeals courts in the country. So this will be interesting. The agency called the order out of Texas extraordinary and unprecedented and asked the court to stay the decision pending appeal. So even a conservative court may grant the stay while the court while this is being heard because this is a 23-year-old I mean a drug that was approved 23 years ago. So we'll see what happens there. That's the update I have on that. Now folks, we got something going on. I did report on this the other day because we have other breaking news and I actually had it in my tabs to report on, but then didn't because I didn't want my that particular. I think this was from Friday, maybe, or maybe even Saturday. I didn't want the my sometimes lengthy reports to get even more lengthy. Don't forget that we have timestamps, unless it's a live stream, and even on live streams, I generally put timestamps within an hour or so after uh, the live stream replay. You can you can zero in on the stories that you want to hear 
by using the timestamps, either on the screen if you're using the YouTube app or watching it uh, on a browser or in the pinned description down below or in the, uh, in the description box. I didn't talk about this, but now it's, uh, it's a trend of what's happening. So we have Jeremy Lacombe. He's a representative out of the Louisiana state. He switched from the Democrat Party to the Republican Party. This is the third one in a month. Last week, I was going to report on it, uh, on what happened. But let me give you the full story now. Louisiana State Representative Jerry Lacombe, Jeremy, excuse me, is leaving the Democrat Party and registering as a, as a Republican. He is the third Democrat to do so in just a month. North Carolina State Senator Tristan Cotham switched to the Republican Party just last week. We'll get to that in a second because I think the reasons why she did that were incredible. The Democrat Party is becoming too radical even for some Democrats. So this is what Fox News is reporting. Democrats dealt another blow. Third lawmaker leaves party, switches to Republican. Democrats were dealt another blow from within their own ranks. According to a Monday report by The Advocate, a Louisiana-based newspaper, State Representative Jerry Lacombe announced he had left the Democrat Party and would be registering as a Republican. It was not immediately clear where prompted Lacombe's departure. However, he is now the second Louisiana Democrat in less than a month to switch party affiliations and the third nationwide after another uh, lawmaker in North Carolina did the same. So last month in Louisiana, Representative Francis Thompson gave Republicans in the state house a supermajority after he switched his party affiliation. And that same thing happened in North Carolina when Trisha Cotham gave Republicans the state house supermajority with her switch as well. Now, I want to go over to uh, to what happened in North Carolina with, uh, is it Tristan or Trisha? I'm seeing two different, uh, North, Trisha, yeah, it's Trisha Cotham. Trisha Cotham. So Cullen Leinberger over at uh, Gateway Pundit. You guys might want to correct it uh, from what I can see here. Her name is Trisha, not Tristan. But anyhow, uh, Trisha switched because of this. Gotham's explained that she no longer recognized today's Democratic Party, which has been captured by the radical left. The modern-day Democrat Party has become unrecognizable to me and others across the state. I will not be controlled by anyone. The party wants to villainize anyone who has free thought, free judgment, has solutions, and wants to get to work to better our state. Not just sit in a meeting and have a workshop after workshop, but really work with individuals to get things done. Because that is what real public servants do. If you do, don't do exactly what the Democrats want you to do, they will try to bully you. They will try to cast you aside. Cotham said intolerant, violent, uh, said intolerant leftists viciously attacked her for using the American flag and praying hands emoji on social media and on her vehicles. Of course they do. The left hates the American flag. They hate America and they hate praying and they hate God and they hate religion. And they hate people who exercise their freedom to love the flag, constitution, country, God, Jesus, and religion. Democrats have been blasting me on Twitter to, to calling me names, coming after my family, coming after my children. That is wrong. She even detailed an incident and where deranged leftist bullied her and cursed her out while she was shopping with her son at a store. So she gave North Carolina the majority and the same thing has just happened in Louisiana. Very, very interesting. 
but left at left this places and leftist states are a hellhole and they're crazy. Check this out. We have a St- Stephen Bradford, a Democrat in California, who just pro- uh, proposed a bill called the Ebony Alert, and it's a proposal to create this Ebony Alert. And it's geared at assisting in exclusively locating black women and children who go missing. Folks, in California, there's already an Amber Alert, which is not race-specific when children are abducted. Uh, here, here we uh, I'm currently in California. I'll be heading back to Utah in about a week or two. Um, we get these uh, alerts. When you're here in California, you get these alerts. It, it, every, you can sit in a, in a room... Uh, you can be, uh, you know, having uh, Pollo Loco, which I like to have when I'm in California. And the thing goes off and you can hear everyone's phones buzzing and, and having the alarms go off because there's an, there's an Amber Alert. It didn't say Amber Alert is not only for white children. It's for all children that are going to the system and are adeptic so they can immediately be found. I would say very often I've seen Hispanic surnames in those Amber Alerts. Maybe it only happens when I'm in California and I get those Amber Alerts. I still have I still have a uh, I still have a California phone number on my on my phone even though I'm a resident of Utah now. So while the initiative is modeled after the existing well-known National Amber Alert system, it is designed specifically to address only those missing individuals who are black. Leave it to leftists to take us back to segregation. Gavin Newsom, who I I'm telling you folks, is going to be the one that President Trump's going to be running against next year. He had signed uh, off on something called a feather alert, which uh, helps immediately find missing indigenous people who also were not segregated from the Amber Alert. Democrats are racist and they only think about uh, race. Here are some of the very thoughtful uh, critiques of this system. Democrats love segregation, one person said. These people are racist, another person said. This is absolute lunacy. The Amber Alert system in California is not race segregated, and the proposal of this ebony system would be another, uh, would be, would be. Why? We don't need an Amber Alert. All children are covered under the Amber Alert. Segregation, here we come, someone tweeted out. The Amber Alert is already in place. This ebony alert is unnecessary and racist. Segregationists. Amber Alert isn't based off of the color Amber. It was named after the girl that went missing. It should come as no surprise that Bradford, who sits on the panel considering reparations of over $800 billion for black residents in California, has previously claimed that the Golden State has a moral obligation to provide compensation, though it was never a slave state, because blacks were treated as harshly in California as they were in the post-Civil War South. And that is absolute hogwash. I remember years ago, I was sitting in some kind of meeting or symposium or something about uh, history, family history and what have you. And uh, a, a person was talking about how they're, uh, they're, they, have a, they had a diary or journal of one of their family members from, years, from the 1800s that was one of the first settlers of California. And how they had talked about their neighbors like Jim and someone else and how they all helped each other like during some harsh time with the with the crops and they were all there to support each other and this was something that that was written down in, in the journal and then 
that was like from the husband. And then one of the wives or children's journals uh, years later was found by the family. And then that person actually described the neighbors that they were living among. And they found out that the one of the this neighbors, Jim, that was always talked about that was very helpful and they helped each other was a black uh, escaped slave or free slave, something like that, that had come to settle in California to get away from the uh, post-Civil War South and had settled in California. And their ancestor, she was white, had never mentioned the race of the person, just how helpful and how what a sense of community they have. And then the other journal had detailed that that person was black and some of the other uh, neighbors that were helping each other out during this crop situation they had uh, were Mexican and uh, indigenous people. California has been pretty integrated, uh, more so than other parts. And it's not, I'm not saying there's not parts of California that are not segregated, but it's not forced segregation like we've seen in other places. So this is absolutely ridiculous. Just another example of the lunacy. Speaking of leftist lunacy, let's talk about what's going on in New York. We have President Trump uh, going to be flying on Wednesday from Florida to New York yet again over dubious legal issues. President Trump will return to the crap hole of New York City this week for Attorney General Letitia James's fraud case. If you remember back in September, as I had reported, she announced a lawsuit against former President Donald Trump and his family. She had been investigating whether the Trump organization inflated values in some of its properties. Like President Trump is the one who does, uh, he, he's also an appraiser, <laughs> right? So if we look at all this other nonsense happening with a, uh, with uh, with uh, District Attorney uh, Alvin Bragg, which is claiming that President Trump is the accountant that does all the accounting when he cuts out checks, we have Attorney uh, General Letitia James, who said from the very beginning that she was coming after Trump. Well, I get, you know, He's also an appraiser and all the banks and stuff that have done business with the, they just signed off without any, according to Letitia James, like banks don't do any due diligence. They just take Donald Trump, the appraiser's word for the valuation of his properties. She had announced back in September, today I filed a lawsuit against Donald Trump for engaging in years of financial fraud to enrich himself, his family, and the Trump organization. Of course, a business person's job is to enrich himself, his family, and his organization. Especially if you're in a very lucrative and enriching industry like commercial real estate, Manhattan real estate. Now, of course, she is seeking to make Trump pay $250 million, ban the Trumps from running New York businesses for good, ban Trump and Trump organization from buying commercial real estate in New York for five years, and she is making a criminal referral to the U.S. Department of Justice. Obviously, this is a another witch hunt, and it's so sad. Yet another black person being used as a puppet by the Georgie Porgy Zorro folks and the America-hating globalists to take down the Trumps. Former President Donald Trump is due back in the Big Apple this week to be grilled for the second time by New York Attorney General Letitia James, who is probing the Trump Organization's business practices. Law enforcement sources told The Post late yesterday. Trump is expected to plead the fifth or refuse to answer questions. Some will take that as to avoid potentially incriminating himself. 
as he did when he was quizzed by the AG's office in the case last year. He is due to fly out from his home in Florida on Wednesday night for questioning by James's prosecutors at her Manhattan office Thursday morning. Trump's civil lawyer Monday declined to comment to the Post on whether her client would be deposed this week. So we'll see what happens there. Ridiculous. But let's stay, let's stay with New York, folks. The House Judiciary Committee is going to be holding and is scheduled an official meeting next week in New York City focused on victims of violent crime in Manhattan. The committee's hearing notice specifically named Manhattan District Alvin Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, whose investigation of former President Donald Trump led to a historic indictment of the former president at the end of last month. The hearing court of the notice will examine how Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's pro-crime, anti-victim policies have led to an increase in violent crime and a dangerous community for New York City residents. Well, of course, leftists are upset about this. New York Democrats are raging over the House Judiciary Committee's announcing that they're going to have this scheduled meeting. You've got folks, for instance, like O. Uh, waddling the Riddler upset uh, about this. Jerry Nadler, Judiciary Committee ranking member who represents a swath of Manhattan, shared Bragg's thoughts on this. What did Bragg say? Well, he is contending that crime is actually down in Manhattan. And of course, they finagle these statistics saying things are lower. A Bragg spokesman blasted the hearing as a political stunt that that would not engage in actual efforts to increase public safety, such as supporting national gun legislation and shutting down the iron pipeline. The spokesperson also touted some types of violent crime in Manhattan have improved since Bragg took office. So what they did is they did very sneaky things. Like for instance, uh, they said there's less crime in certain parts of Manhattan. So, for instance, in South Manhattan, there was three murders this year, but there were 10 last year. But then if you go over to North Manhattan, there were 17 murders, more than 12. And then if you look at the overall violent crime, it's up. That's how these people do. They use statistics to lie. They find a little place where it's lower and they go, it's lower crime. Crime between 5 p.m. and 8 p.m., on the 23rd day of the month is down under uh, Alvin Bragg than it was previously. That Literally, that's the tactics the left uses to protect, uh, to protect themselves or excuse themselves from their failures. All right, folks, uh, some last few news items I want to cover with you. Joseph Biden pretty much told Al Roker, who outsmarted him as I covered yesterday, that, uh, that, yes, he is running in 2024. He just hasn't announced it yet. Well, we're seeing what's actually going on. Access is reporting that President Biden's not yet official bid for re-election will lean on hundreds of social media influencers who will tout Biden's record, and they're going to have their own briefing room at the White House. This is what Axios is learning. Why it matters. The move aims to boost Biden's standing among young voters who are crucial to Democrats' success in elections. So 
Joe Biden is so popular that he must hire TikTokers and other influencers to try to convince young people to vote for him. Of course, President Trump has a massive social media presence and doesn't need to hire influencers to push propaganda. Absolute nuttery. And why don't I end with this last news story since it thematically stays with what we've been talking about. Craziness from the left. Whole Foods Supermarket in San Francisco is closing their inner city store. But check this out. Only one year after opening. One of the largest supermarkets in downtown San Francisco, San Francisco, the Whole Foods Market at 8th and Market Streets intends to shut down at the close of business Monday, so that was yesterday, just a little more than a year after the store opened. We are closing our location at Trinity only for the time being. If we feel we can ensure the safety of our team members in the store, we will evaluate a reopening. A city hall source told The Standard the company cited deteriorating street conditions around drug use and crime near the grocery store as a reason for its closure. The beleaguered uh, store slashes operating hours due to high theft and hostile visitors in October last year, according to one of the store's managers. So they pretty much, if I remember correctly, they were keeping this store open only during like light hours. Like once it got dark, shortly after that, they were closing. In November, the store enforced new bathroom rules after syringes and pipes were found in the restroom. Of course, Amazon, Walmart, and all the big box delivery stores are happy by this news. Thanks for joining us on Open Source News. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and turn on the notifications bell so you don't miss out on any real news.